Broadcasting from deep within the great pit of Carcoon, this is the Dubac Discussion Podcast, your source for Star Wars news, theories, and reviews, with your host, TJ Bowser and Grandmaster Ziad. Everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the Do Back Discussion podcast. This is your host TJ Bowser, and with me always is Grandmaster Ziad here, ready to go. And then we have, of course, our special guest Joel Myth Storms, the man, the myth, the legend, the asshole of Twitter. Everyone, <laughs> not only on Twitter, man, everywhere, not only on Twitter. Uh, so we're just going to put out a small disclaimer again for the second time. Anything that Joel says on social media does not reflect the same views as the rest of Dubac Discussion <laughs> Network. Uh, please ignore his racially discriminate, discriminatory and insensitive posts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and anything else that you might find Joel Storms on. So with that being said, let's get underway with this podcast. Uh, Mohammed, how was your week? It's going. It's kind of, kind of, kind of slow. You know, I'm fasting and all. It's Ramadan, but luckily we're in the last week now, so kind of the final stretch here. Star Wars getting me through it. How about you, man? Uh really good. My, uh, my second to youngest brother graduated last week. Uh, shout yeah, out to Lucas Bowser for uh, making it to Penn State Dubois. Oh man, that's congratulations! Yes, uh, he graduated with some honorable mentions in sports, and he was the prom king. Very, very proud of him. Uh, it was a very, very, very good week for me. We got a lot done with the website. We uh, started Bantha Babble with uh, Logan and Jordan, and it was, it's was it been very productive. Uh, overall, a really good week. Going to go watch Solo again on Friday, but other than that, pretty boring right now, but <laughs> earlier this week was pretty good. Well, what about you, Joel? Rape any children lately? Uh... Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> now I've enjoy- been out enjoying the weather most of the time. Okay. Finally, summer, so I'm enjoying that. Nice. Uh, how's the van? <laughs> the van is um, well, not much different. Um, still, uh, still have to get it up to uh, some standards, but okay. It's much too hard to work for work on it. <laughs> Well, we have a lot on the palette today, and there's actually some news this week, Mo. There's a lot of news, and I'm very happy with it. Uh, but again, thank you guys for joining me also, by the way. Uh, I appreciate it. So I would like Mo to start the show off talking about the early draft on how Chewie and Han met. All right. Well, turns out, I mean... We know that they didn't really start off on the exact on the right foot. And spoiler alert, uh, the two met under involuntary circumstances, but pretty quickly they started working together, and that's how their friendship and their relationship started. Um, but actually, as it turns out, uh, the introduction to one another wasn't always exactly mapped out the way we saw it unfold in the in the movie in theaters. And actually, there was a completely different idea in the first draft of the script. 
Now we've long heard about the, you know, the quote unquote life debt that Chewie owed Han. Yes. You know, and it's firmly established as canon. I believe there's a book called <clears throat> Life Debt also. It's a part of the Aftermath series. Yeah, Aftermath Life Debt. You're right. Okay. But in the earliest drafts for Solo, Han and Chewbacca actually met mutually on the front lines of battle, fighting against the Empire with Chewie ultimately saving Han at one point, contrary to the story where we um, that we're used to hearing. So the explanation of this art comes from Industrial Light and Magic, uh, oh. ILM, senior art director Aaron McBride, um, who in an interview with Screen Rant said Kasten's original meeting of the two characters, quote, saw Han Solo become a pilot in a fleet resisting the Empire. Unfortunately, Han's cocky demeanor led to his making a critical mistake Solo crashed his damaged fighter into a hangar. This early script saw Han brought before a tribunal who sentenced him to Mimbin. There, he fought not as any, not as an Imperial soldier, but against the Empire. Han's army was imagined as one made up of countless alien races, all united in their opposition to the Empire. McBride explained that this version of Mimbin would have been inspired by World War I trench warfare. Bleak, muddy battlefields, burnt, broken trees, and a sky overcast with smoke. Han and Chewie, who were partnered together, wound up going up against the Empire mech walkers. There, in an unexpected twist, it would be Chewie who rescued Han from Imperial fire, establishing an inverted version of the famous, quote, life debt. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just to keep in mind, this is, that was just the first draft. It's, it's not canon, doesn't really mean anything. A lot of times people go over and over. I mean, there's a reason why our hero in A New Hope wasn't Luke Starkiller aided by a reptilian alien pilot named Han Solo. Um, so just, you know, just something to keep in mind for the for the listeners that a lot of times stories get changed up um, and a lot of things get thrown out, things get inverted, uh, you know, the usual in the art world. Yeah. I would have really enjoyed to uh, to have seen that, especially to see Chewie in that type of situation. What do you think, Joel? Um, I, I think it would have raised some questions about the life debt if Han owed Chewie first. Like, how would that... Uh, then he would have to make additional sacrifices or additional actions to get the life debt uh, from Chewie. So I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with how they, uh, they met here. Uh, it also ran really nicely with the Return of the Jedi. I felt, which uh, I think it was, it was okay done. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, I can see that. So, what's next on the old? Okay, I'm taking this. Fuck you guys. Uh, of course, of course. I didn't want it anyway. Fuck you, Joel. <laughs> Suck one. Uh, Hasbro announces unboxing winner. And introduces new solo releases. And whenever I say Hasbro, that means toys, bitches. Fucking toys up in the hisal. You may recall our story from earlier this year that Hasbro will be flying one lucky fan out to the headquarters to be the first to unbox a new figure for Solo Star Wars story. Well, a few days ago, Hasbro finally announced the winner and gave us our first look at the new toy. And from what Hasbro... Is that a tweet? No, it's Instagram. Uh, it's an Emphis Nest Swoop Bike 6-inch scale, and I would have to say this thing looks superb. Don't you agree, Mohammed and Joel? I mean, look how intricate it is. The mechanics, the you know, the strings, the everything just looks amazing. It's nice that they're adding a... Yeah, group. it looks pretty cool. Uh, I hope it's 
Not too fragile, though. No, uh, yeah. if I have the uh, Luke Skywalker speeder, and it's not fragile at all. For, uh, well, I hope you. I hope you're satisfied okay. with cool. it. Whenever That's you good. you cop it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bro, I'm buying it like Friday. <laughs> Pre-order. Nah. Uh, I I love her. Uh, spoiler alert! I love her. Uh, her outfit. It's it's really cool. Her armor's excellent. It's kind of like a Mad Max feel. Yeah, yeah it I, is. I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah, I was really disappointed when she took off her helmet and was like a fifteen-year-old girl. Really? That's like right down your yeah. alley, though. No, it's it's like it's fine if it's a girl, <laughs> but like fifteen-year-olds. Well, how does anyone take that seriously? That, hence the mask. I ask that question every time you write an article for us, buddy. Does anyone take you seriously? Uh, I like how the stand isn't just like a plain, like clear stand. It's like a little cloud, you know, like cloud riders. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know what it kind of reminds me of the front of it? Uh, that Dooku thing. Dooku thing? thing? Like the parachute he had at the beginning of his, at the front of his uh, ship. Oh. Chill. Yeah, mm. it's like the splitter. Uh, Actually, no, no, it looks like a Lambda class shuttle at the front of the fucking swoop bike. Yeah, yeah. I, I see <laughs> that. What it looks like I really like the L three figure. It looks like they took a X wing, the front of an X wing, and put it down by her crotch. Put the Lambda class shuttle wings in the front, and then put <laughs> put the like the the engine of a Y wing on the back and cut off the fucking uh, supports. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis swoop bike. I do like oh, it. Oh, for sure. Uh, her figure is going to be top notch. And if I'm correct, this is the only way you can get the Emphis Nest figure. You can't buy her by the self at all. Now, also, also, they announced Kira. Oh, Kira's already out on this wave. But Val, L3, which is Joel's favorite character, and more. Each figure <laughs> sold separately, available most retailers, except Toys R Us, because it doesn't exist anymore. And on HasbroToyShop.com. Now, I'm going to comment on this Val uh, picture here that they have of her. She looks absolutely exquisite. The face mold on this is spot on. And I want to get a Beckett one whenever they come out with those. And, like, put them in, like, a sexual poses. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Oh, yeah. Get a little bit of that mm, going on. Now, I, I guess I can do that with L3 when I buy it and with Lando. Just, like, getting, like, a like her jerking him off with, like, a robot hand. Maybe I can buy, like, a little bottle of lube and set it next to him, too. Uh, that, just drowned him in it. Yeah, just drowning in robot lube. <laughs> <laughs> you brought the WD-40, didn't you, Lando? I'm so wet. I'm so wet. <laughs> Star Wars Microforce blind bags have OG. No, they have Young Han Solo, Emphis Nest, Maz Kenyatta, Praetorian Gods, uh, Kylo Ren BB-8 giving a thumbs up with that little flame of his, and Captain Phasma. Now, in a fight between Captain Phasma and Emphis Nest, who wins? I would hope Emphis Nest, but that's just because I always root for the, the underdog. What do you think? Yeah, but is she the underdog though? <laughs> well, she's like she doesn't command like you know. She has a whole fucking. Uh, she has weasel. She has weasel and two tubes. She got a cool. Not mask. everyone gets Warwick Davis with a rocket launcher. She's special. Yeah, that's true. She's uh, special. the hero pack 
comes with a range trooper for like the play school galactic heroes galactic heroes uh Han, young han solo young lando emphasis nest chewy with dual bandoliers and range trooper uh they all have little accessories oversized guns you know normal play school fair uh i'm pretty excited about this release i will definitely be picking up the emphasis nest figure the val and the l337 uh joel i'd like you to take the next story away unless you have anything to comment about the toys yeah, I think that uh, L3 and Vel, I mean, I get that they have to make toys for them, but I don't think they're going to sell. Because if people aren't already buying Ray and Rose and uh, and Holdo figures, then why would they buy L3 and Vel for, from a movie that seriously underperforms? And they didn't have even that big of a role in, in at least Vel didn't, L3 did. I feel like L3 Nobody had likes a big role. L3, so. I do. Muhammad does. L3 had a big role in the movie. Uh, Val was Tobias's driving force there for the longest time. But she got killed way too quickly for anyone for it anyone to get so really attached to, attached so, to her. So did Rio. Right on this point. So did I Rio, but it, Rio is still Muhammad's favorite character from the movie. So like, how how can you even say that? Just because but Rio looks way cooler than Val. Yeah, Rio is cool. Val. I don't want to say not memorable, but she's I mean, a she's strong no black woman I disagree in a Star on the L3 point, but maybe the Val's right, you know, what Joel's saying. Wow, I never thought I'd hear the day. Oh, <laughs> neither. I mean, I was underwhelmed personally by Val's, by Val's um, role. I thought she was going to get mu- a much bigger part. Rio, yeah. reason I loved him is because, you know, in the li- I, w- I mean, he didn't get a lot of screen time. Nonetheless, I think that he was memorable enough. He was really obsessed with cuddling with Wookiees. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, from what I hear, I, I hear he can make a really good Minoc. I mean, that that's just what I hear around. Yeah, yeah that, that, well, he's boasting about that, of course, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, Joel, All right, the, uh, take it away. Chips fall into place for the Lando comic, Ooh. apparently. Now say that again in English. <laughs> I said the chips fall into place with Marvel's Lendo comic, Double or Nothing, and number one. Sorry, I was just... If you loved Donald Glover's portrayal of Lendo Carvision in Solo, then has, Marv- then has Marvel got a comic for you? Who writes this stuff? That's garbage here. <laughs> Not us. Actually, <laughs> if you love Star Wars, this comic is for you. This issue kicks kicks off the second series dedicated to the original captain of the Millennium Falcon, who goes on to be the one of the galaxy's greatest heroes. I couldn't be happier this comic arrived less than a week after the great Star Wars film did, and it's a perfect complimentary piece to Glover's performance and kicks off a story that will set the stage for when we will find Lando in Solo. I don't have a bunch of spoilers that I don't really need to get into. What's in it? What happens? What happens? What happens. Oh shit. Um Seems like basically it looks like uh he's just gonna uh, run into somebody who he cheated and then that person uh, isn't really too happy about it. Yeah. Now, the artwork on this is pretty exquisite, if I do say so. I like the lighting. It's a very good job with the lighting, especially. 
Yeah, hmm. it's definitely a good art style, and I think it's uh, definitely an improvement over previous comics. I definitely like. How yeah, it- there, there's some good, really good pictures in there. Yeah, definitely darker. Mm-hmm. Not as bright as other Star Wars comics. Uh moving on. Star Wars Women of the Galaxy to be released in October. Uh, hold on, guys. A little technical difficulties. Okay. Dobackdiscussion.net reports the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com, has exclusively announced a new book, Star Wars Women of the Galaxy, to be released in October 2018 in hardcover. This is actually going to be Joel's favorite book. This new book will be a collection and celebration of our favorite female characters from a galaxy far, far away, including Leia Organa, Joel's favorite Rey, Ahsoka Tano, Jen Erso, and it'll be a compromise 75 profiles with text by Amy Ratcliffe. An amazing artwork from 18 talented female and non-binary artists. What the fuck is non-binary? Anyway, everyone in- and then to quote <laughs> Mental Disease. Michael Siglane, everyone involved. Again, anything Joel says does not reflect the rest of us. <laughs> That's a known fact. That's a scientific fact. Everyone involved from Chronicles to Lucasfilm is extremely (laughs) proud of this title. (laughs) (laughs) It is extremely talented and creative team. Amy Ratcliffe's insight, commentary combined with the beautiful haunting, truly awe-inspiring art makes Women of the Galaxy a must-have for fans of the saga. And for art collectors everywhere, Michael Singlane, creative director of Lucasfilm Publishing, Star Wars Dark Carm, also published a brief Uh-oh. interview, I'm a fucking wreck, with the author Amy Ratcliffe, where they discussed her experience with the project and what anticipating fans can expect. Now, Myth Joel commented on this three days ago, saying, I'd love to see its content about Leia and Ahsoka. Disney hasn't made me care about Jin or Rey. And then I'm going to guess Mohammed commented back. I agree. I think we're all stoked for more material on Ahsoka. I mean, for sure. Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Everyone's stoked about Ahsoka. She's like, I think, possibly the most popular, widely loved character at, at, at the moment, at least. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I want more Rose, <laughs> though, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think anyone... <laughs> 14 reasons why. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, Mohammed, I'm, I'm going to let you take this. We're going to do this all alternating schedule. Unless it's a right, unless it's a toy release, then it's mine. I take it. No one can say anything. Uh, take it away, Mo, 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 Mo. Auto parts. Ron Howard smartly reduced Han's time in Imperial Navy from Final Cut of Solo, a Star Wars story. <clears throat> so the movie <laughs> clocked in at two hours and 15 minutes, which is about on par for a Star Wars movie. Excuse me. There must have been some difficult decisions about what to cut from the film for the sake of time. One of which being more of Han Solo's time training in the Imperial Navy. Some fans may have wanted to see more of this aspect of Han's life. But Ron Howard and his team made the wise choice of cutting down this part of the film to get the main plot of the story going though perhaps to the slight disappointment of screenwriter John Kasdan. In an interview with IndieWire, um, Lawrence and John Kasdan talked about the fact that close to 90% of their script 
made it into the final version of the film. Now, I don't think that you will find many screenwriters who would complain about that. The castings were certainly happy with the end result. However, one segment of the movie that was cut was met with some lighthearted disappointment by John Caston in particular, involving Han's time in training in the Imperial, in the Imperial Navy. Quote from the interview, Yeah, so did we. In fact, we hope, and I believe that when you finally get a Blu-ray of this movie, you'll see a terrific scene with Han in aerial training and then getting kicked out of aerial training. He added with a laugh, ultimately with a cameo by me. The reason I decided to do a cameo in that particular scene is we were sure it wouldn't get cut out. And of course it did. Uh, so yeah, does that make it canon? No. Deleted scenes uh, aren't canon, No. Right? Well, it's can it gets canonized in the book probably. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look at that! Look at that picture of uh, deleted Cassidy scenes are not canon. If so, then that means Phasma died twice. <laughs> she better. She sucks. Hey, you watch your fucking foul tongue, boy. She only sucks because they made her so. There's nothing wrong with Phasma, you fucking hater. Yeah, there is something wrong with Phasma. What's she was underused. No, fucking humor me. She was underused. How? No shit, she was underused. She's still that. very efficient in the storylines of episodes seven and eight. And I know you didn't like the Last Jedi, but still, she was a yeah, very but good because, in that movie. because she was underused. That that sucks. They could have used her more. Come on, man. They could have, but that doesn't mean she's a bad character. Well, yeah, because they didn't really let her shine the way that she should have shined. She did her part. Phasma could re literally give you shit on a plate, and you'd be like, "Thank you, Phasma." I could. I like Phasma. I like Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, like, what the fuck's oh, wrong with that? A fanboy. Of course, I'm a <laughs> fanboy. Why the fuck do you think I do this shit, you asshole? <laughs> Not everyone hates on the fucking beloved series like you do. I love it, but I hate it. Fuck you. I, I love parts of it. Oh, I don't God. love everything blindly. During film last summer, it was revealed that John Kasdan filmed a cameo as a part of the Legends duo Tag and Bink. Do you guys know who that is? Tag and Bink, no. I, I heard about them, but I don't really... Apparently, they're responsible them. for every th bad thing that has happened in Star Wars. So they're like a meanwhile elsewhere, kind of like a, like a Timon and Pumbaa <laughs> in Star Wars. It, it's, it's, oh, cool. It's pretty funny. There's a comic book about it. <laughs> like yeah, I, heard, I heard that much, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty cool. I would like to have seen them. That would have been dope. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. The comments, uh, oh, in the spirit of Han Solo himself, huh? shoot first, edit later. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I I, I all the expositional dialogue that would have easily left room for that scene. Yes. You guys know what expositional dialogue is, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, for people that don't know, it's like Han saying that uh, they need to get out of that speeder in, in the chase when they're stuck and the other guys are moving in. And it's like, there's so much of that, which I think like, well, cut that out, you know? <laughs> Nobody needs to see people say what they obviously need to do. Very true. Yeah, I personally thought we were going to get a lot more of him in the Imperial uh, Academy. I would have but, loved uh, yeah, to but, see that. I mean, in another sense, I can see why they cut it, because they wanted to create that three-year gap 
uh, with the uh, with the screen, and it would have kind of interfered with that. Uh, with a, a with a sense of time I'm progression in the movie, maybe. Yeah, I can see that, buddy. So, Joel. Yeah. Talk about that cameo, boy. All right, I'm taking the cameo. All right, so a few days ago, um, nah, I'll skip that part. Uh, <laughs> when asked when asked about the cameo by Slash Film, uh, Ron, uh, the the big cameo at the end of uh, Solo, what was that? Ron Howard responded, "Well, I will say that it was scripted, and there was a lot of uncertainty as to who that character would be. So it was sort of initially written in a rather generic way. It just sort of said boss." And I thought that when I came in, I just assumed they knew who it was and they were just keeping it under wraps. And they didn't. But Maul, yes, it's Darth Maul. <laughs> Everybody knows that by now, but sure. Uh, but Darth Maul listed as one of the candidates. And I lobbied hard for that. I thought it made a lot of sense to me and I thought that character to be really effective. And I knew for a fact without asking directly and giving away uh, anything that my son Reed, who just turned 31, uh, he's a dedicated Star Wars fan, and he's a golfer. What the he's fuck does that have to do with anything? I, I don't know. It's in the fucking thing. <laughs> reading it out, man. He's a golfer, a driver, and a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just whispered that possibility in his ear, and he just thought that would be incredibly cool. And for that entire generation, I thought, well, that's got to be a pretty interesting idea. And with a little more research and understanding sort of how the character had worked elsewhere, mainly in the Clone Wars, I thought it was good. And the castings were on board with that. But when but then when we actually shot it twice, but then but and but then we Who the fuck writes this stuff? Ron Howard. Jesus. <laughs> because we did it once and we realized it wasn't quite mole enough yet. Okay, so they shot it another. And then let me guess, you added the lightsaber. Ron Howard added the lightsaber, yeah, and intensified it, and definitely took a big jump. <clears throat> he also talked about the possibility of solo sequels and whether or not Maul's inclusion was a deliberate hint at future stories. Uh, slash film. When that, the scene with Maul, came on, I was like, I was like, this is kind of like a Marvel thing where they're hinting to where they're going. It was fun. Uh, Ron Howard says that wasn't really the intention, but I'm glad it did, because maybe it'll suggest more. Who knows? Yeah, slash film. Would you come back for more if they... Ron Howard says, I would never say never. I just don't know what's going on at Imagine. And by the way, there's no plan. So that wasn't a step towards sequels. I, I just love this, ca uh, this cast, and I had so much fun in this sort of the filmmaking playground that is this universe. And so if the answer is I'd be... And so, if the answer is, I'd be very, very open to it. I have no idea, you know, whether they would know. I'd be, uh, I'd be pretty pleased with a, uh, with a sequel. Well, depends on who the sequel is about, sure. What if it's just a mall movie? That could work. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I could also see him return or see him come into uh, the Boba Fett movie. If Maybe we get a live uh, action of the Obi-Wan Maul fight, and then that's where they start the Obi-Wan movie? 
Jar Jar comes uh, that, that could work Ooh. as well. And there's definitely strong hints towards that uh, from uh, that? from the actor who played Maul. But actually I, I, reveal that they had Jar to be really Sith. careful not to not to screw up the timeline with Rebels. Yeah. Oh, obvious sure. that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi had hadn't seen him in in literally years. So. When was the last time he saw Maul? Was that on? Uh... It was in Mandalore, wasn't it? No. Yeah. I thought he was fighting hot. Uh, he cut off Savage's hand. Well, arm. Um, Wasn't that on Mandalore? Hondo was yeah, fighting. Was some... Hondo was fighting with him. Oh. And remember, uh, Savage killed that female Jedi? I don't know. I'm still in Me neither, but uh, anyway, it it would be weird that either of one, either of them, made it out alive uh, if they actually met before you know the end, because both of them would go on until the other one was gone. I feel pretty much, unless they they really really have something that makes Obi Wan run away, which could work if he wants to uh, pr- if he's after protecting someone. <clears throat> yeah. And no, that's not Luke. Luke should not be that guy that actually is close to that fight. Uh, that that would totally screw up everything. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really <laughs> <laughs> This could go anyway, man. And like he said, there's no soul there's no sequels planned yet, but that like this literally could go anyway. And with that uh, yeah, this canon getting larger and larger every year. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm I'm kind of excited for the upcoming films and kind of interested to see where uh, Star Wars goes as a whole once the saga films are over. You know, I oh, mean, yeah, sure. it could either either Absolutely. be a negative or a positive yeah. thing, but either way, we still got eight films that were announced, including Ryan's trilogy, The Game of Thrones. Did, did you guys actually um, suspect that Mole was was going to be in here? I did. Oh, not at all. Me? No, that totally caught me off guard. I actually had some suspicion because in the trailer, Dryden Foss has a Sith uh, holocron. I was like, oh, is that a hint that they, they're bringing Maul in? Because that would fall right in line with the See, I was with fucking with Logan. So I was really, really glad that I, like, they actually followed through with that. And it was a really, really small Easter egg in the trailer that, that, that predicted it to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I really like this. Totally missed that, man. So John Kasdan reveals that Anthony and Gruber, <laughs> asshole, auditioned for Solo plus more interesting bits. Co-writer on Solo, a Star Wars story. We we've had a little uh, we have a little experience interacting with Mister Kasdan, don't we, boys? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah. John recently took to Twitter, go figure, to answer some questions about the movie and express his opinion about the movie's reception and performance at the box office. He also addressed the casting of Han Solo and why Alden Ehrenreich was also was chosen, uh, was chosen over the popular fanboy Anthony Gruber because Alden's an actor, Anthony is an impressionist. My opinion. Who might have been lobbying for prior to the casting announcement. And Anthony, I'm just gonna go off the beaten path sidebar. Uh, Anthony actually got mad at, that he didn't get the role and boohooed about it on uh, social media and tried to get sympathy. Really? Yes. And that's, so who is this? A who's this Ingruber guy? Who is he? He he does he, he does Harrison Ford impressions. <laughs> so, that it? so yeah, that, that's about it. He was in a movie once where he played a young Harrison Ford, and he does Harrison Ford impressions. 
like really close to camera and posts them on YouTube. So whenever he thinks that he has the right to play a young Harrison Ford character, such as Han Solo, you are hired to play a young Han Solo, not not to impersonate Harrison Ford. You need to embody the character, not the actor. Yeah, but they're they're so intertwined. And I mean, if if one guy does such an amazing job uh, in in looking and sounding and acting like him, then I mean that's got to be favorable over some guy who looks nothing like him. And I can see why they chose with uh, why they chose to not make it an impression, but they gambled on it. And I I feel that that's actually not paying off for them. I I think that was a lot of uh, a big reason why people. Well, it didn't spark any uh, a lot of interest in people, and not the sole reason, of course, because that that kind of stuff can be compensated by good word of word of mouth. And um, I mean, Elden did a really good job. I feel absolutely, he, he actually surprised me. I I enjoyed Elden <coughs> uh, very much. So, <clears throat> so first up, Kasdan shares his thoughts yeah. behind the decision to literally make the Millennium Falcon a character in the saga. She's not just a ship anymore. She has personality all her own, which is something that actually makes a lot of sense. In hindsight of the original films, the new addition to the Falcon backstory really enriches its presence in the saga. Adding new meaning to the scenes where 3PO talks to the Falcon, expressing the confusion concerning the ship's peculiar dialect and where it learned to communicate. During Ron Howard's ongoing Twitter promotion of the film during its production, he mentioned out that the characters tag and make from the popular parody comic. We already talked about this. Uh, when asked about the creator, the character Emphasis Nest, Kazan shared who inspired her creation. Thanks for incomparable Macy Williams, because he knew, because uh, we knew he wanted a character in Star Wars that was at least inspired to be like a fraction of a badass, Arya Stark. Who's Arya Stark? Uh, she's from Game of Thrones. Okay. He she's also- like the the little girl that go, grows up to become a really effective assassin. I see. He also talked about Lord and Miller's contribution to the character and her gang. Looking forward to seeing more of her in the Cloud Riders. Was there a consideration to go with original Cloud Rider reader Sergi X from classic Marvel Star Wars comics? John Kasdan tweets back, Emphis and gang have been a part of all the drafts. It was Chris and Phil who latched onto the idea of calling them the Cloud Riders from the comics. They wanted to riff on the idea of the Star Wars biker gang, but I think and I am grateful that they were always determined to make this their own. Kazan also confirmed that real life, real world filming locations for the various planets. John Kazan said Serene was the f- island of Mohammed. What? How do you feel? Fuerta Ventura. Whatever he said. Fuerta Ventura. And the Canary Islands. Vandor was... Dolomites. In Italy. Corellia was shot outside London and everything else was created at Pinewood Studios. If you guys did notice during the movie, it didn't feel like it was a large-scale set similar to previous Star Wars movies. It seemed like more contained, controlled sets with a lot less mm-hmm. variables taken in. And I kind of like that, how it felt like a like the sets were smaller. And that might have been due because of budget restraints because of the reshoots. But I think uh, it, still got, it still made the movie good. And it still allowed for uh, the locations to be iconic, you know, because I really feel like Corellia really knocked it out of the park there. Here's one for the beverage concierge out there. They're straight up. Uh, also, the time when Woody Harrelson asked for a brandy. A brandy? In space? That's right. Out of the extended universe of legends, Severine is known throughout the galaxy for its excellent brandy. You can look it up. Okay. After- yeah, Corellian brandy is a thing. Excellent. After humorously addressing the elephant in the cockpit, 
John expressed that what he is concerned the most with are people liking his movie. And there, I don't think there's a shortage of that. I feel like there's a lack of people going to see the movie. Look, fell short of expectations is what any isn't what anyone hopes to hear in the bedroom <laughs> or at the box office. But mostly, I'm just thrilled with the reaction of Solo. Well, to Solo. And if you want more Underworld stories, keep asking Disney and Lucasfilm for them. Believe it or not, they listen. Don't even say anything, Joel. I have to oh, agree with John's viewpoint here. The overall reception of Solo from those who have seen the movie from has been overwhelmingly positive. And box, box office performance, although less than hoped for, is nothing to laugh at. I'm just going to th- tell you guys this now, that this is uh, this is doing as well as Iron Man 2 and the original Thor movie. Just saying. Granted, production problems... Yeah, but it costs way more. Again, sure. if there was no reshoots, this movie would would have been fine. Granted, production problems may have necessity a larger return to the cover of the additional costs associated with the production of the film, but I feel very conf- fairly confident that this movie will have done fairly well at the end of its run. Overseas is where it's going to make up its money. A financial success of Solo will be its longevity, and hopefully the positive word of mouth will continue to prevail, giving this movie the legs it needs. Uh, what do you guys think about all this? I mean, he may hope. I, I don't see it happening, but... John Kasdan says Anthony Ingruber did audition for Chris and Phil, along with hundreds of other talented actors, but special attention was given to Anthony because we had heard about him from fans and admired his work in Adeline. Ultimately, Alden won the part, and person- personally, I love what he did. Kathleen Kennedy had Alden on her short list of people to play Han Solo, by the way. So I'm going to guess that, contri- that contributed... Yeah, that that I think that contributed to him getting the job. Think he gave it to her good. Probably. It's clear to me that the creators of the film saw something special in Aaron Reich and ultimately led to him winning over the fan filming Rupert, while well, the fan favorite in Gruber. It's not still nice to see that they gave him his audition, even the, going as far as giving him a special attention. But there, but there's a fine line between listening to what the fans want and doing what is best for the movie. And I feel like with that. Being said, it is the best, the best choice for the movie. Well, we can't really say that unless we saw uh, the other product with. I did Anthony uh, go on YouTube and look up Anthony and Group. No, but I mean, I mean, you you can't see uh, you can't say that without seeing um, without there are months and months of people. Uh, Months and months of, of of preparation for this movie. Yes, where people had did not grow any confidence in his ability to portray a good Han, and uh, they had to bring in the acting coach. And I've been already a couple of times I, pretty clear I don't on think that. that was I, I feel he's not good at acting, I feel that though. is uh, confidence confidence inducing to me an acting coach because that means that they're actually trying to get the best out of him instead of just going with. Uh, whatever footage he delivers, well, it's not really that good, like in Attack of the Clones with certain scenes. Um, but many people took that as like, oh, he can't act, he can't do it. And then in the trailer, it's it was it still looked like, yeah, he's he's not really pulling this off. So, just my two cents. I feel like the ad, the uh, acting coach. 
was just kind of put in there to just assist him a little bit. I don't think there's any problem with his acting, though. Mohammed? No, I agree. I thought, I thought he did a good job, but an acting an acting coach will never hurt. You know what I mean? They, yeah. It's just like Joel said, they want to get the most out of it. Yeah. And I think the acting coach, as we can judge... And also, acting movie, coaches are really, really common yeah. in filmmaking. So, like, just because people don't really have faith in this guy doesn't mean that an acting coach is suddenly such a big deal when people do that all the time. And most of the times you'll never hear, hear of it because it's not so much in the spotlight or the movie is not does not get the attention that the Star Wars movie gets. This is true. Hello? Still here, uh, TJ? TJ. Okay, we lost someone. How do we lose him? Are you there, Joel? I am. I'm here, sorry. Uh, I got a voicemail. There we go. I had a voicemail. <laughs> anyway, ah. uh, just work calling. Anyway, back to Star Wars. Muhammad? Yeah, so. Books? We, yeah, books, 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 literature, my specialty. Solo, a Star Wars story novelization coming September 4th. And a Beckett, Tobias Beckett comic book in August. We got a tweet from Star Wars Books at Del Rey Star Wars. For those of you wondering about a solo book, wonder no more. Our novelization of Solo, a Star Wars story, will be out this fall, written by the amazing at Mighty Murr. That is Murr Lafferty. There's not much to go on yet, as we don't even have a hard release date. Um, it was updated, and uh, the release date is September 4th. But Del Rey did announce that the book would be indeed be coming uh, this fall. This is the book's author is the award-winning uh, and podcaster Mer Lafferty, known for her work in urban fantasy, superhero satire, afterlife mythology, and Christmas stories. What the fuck? Superhero <laughs> satire and after what the? F okay, sounds cool. Yo, it sounds cool. I just never heard of that genre. In 2013, Mer won the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer following her first professionally published novel, The Shambling Guide to New York City. In 2006, alongside Tracy Hickman and Michael R. Menenga, Murr founded the Parsec Awards, which recognize excellence in speculative fiction podcasts. She was the editor of the podcast magazine Escape Pod from 2010 to 2012 and co-founded Pseudopod, an Escape Pod spinoff presenting, quote, the best in audio horror. She currently hosts ah, the Angry it's Robot funny because they all have pod in there. But take a look at this Tobias Beckett comic book uh, cover. You got Emphis Ness in the background. I think we're going to see a lot of the kind of the rivalry between them. Ooh. Yeah, yeah this, is what the and reads as. this is what the description reads as, guys. The good, the bad, and the deadly. <laughs> Tobias Beckett taught Han Solo everything he knows about surviving hoodlum-filled cantinas and backwater worlds. But who is this career outlaw, and why is Emphis Ness, one of the galaxy's most dangerous and brutal marauders, so dead set on taking him down once and for all. Find out in this original tale of a man who has gamed star system after star system, but at a cost that no heist can make up for. Hmm. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and take a guess here. She's connected to Aura Singh. 
That's Fuck, who... I wish I wish I knew more about Orising. Fucking noob. And just just because they emphasize so much that or they didn't emphasize it, but they mentioned uh, that Beckett threw her off a cliff or something like that. In the pushed movie. her. So pushed her uh, somewhere, and the push killed her. The fall. The fall. Mm-hmm. Push killed her. Killed her. The fall. No, no, no he pushed her. her. She fell. She died. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's what happened yeah, to Palpatine too. Except he got thrown. <laughs> It's amazing what reactor shafts can do these days. Uh, I like that idea of that comic book, and I would be interested in collecting that. Wouldn't you say so yourself, Muhammad? Oh, I'll probably be getting it. It looks pretty cool. I'm really interested in the in more about Emphis Nest, for sure. So the more the merrier for True. me. So, uh, Joel Storms, take over the next one, big boy. All right. All right. So, Star Star Wars Episode 9's production title has been changed. Uh, the Fantatrex is reporting that Star Wars Episode 9 has a new production title. While it probably doesn't give us any real hints about the plot, it should help people figure out what resources are tied to the continu- continued development of the sequel trilogy. Uh, why? How? Okay. Originally, Fantatrax reported that Episode 9 was codenamed Black Diamond, right under the time Star Wars The Last Jedi hit theaters, with Carbonado Industries serving as another codename. This codename doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's done for the purposes of disguising a production of a movie itself. But for whatever reason, it sounds like they'll be going for a new codename with Episode 9. Uh, According to the new reports, the film will now be using the alias Trixie with uh, capital IX in the middle going forward. Okay, so they um, purposely give the code name to keep under the radar. Yes. And then they post on their website, Star Wars News, that they changed the code name. (laughs) What? <laughs> Doesn't that completely dispute the, the defeat the purpose of why they're doing it? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> oh, for sure. All right, switching code names on project has happened with a few Star Wars projects in the past and isn't really in the indicative of all that much. Although there are occasionally esoteric hints to be found in the code name. Space Bear, for instance, was symbolic for Luke effectively hibernating from the rest of the galaxy or something to that effect, according to the. Lucasfilm Story Group. Really? Okay, yeah. I thought it was, was referencing Ewoks. But... <laughs> For those of you wanting to keep track at home, the working titles for each Star Wars project that has been released so far, along with the three that are in varying stages of development, are as follows. Fco Foodles, Fco slash Foodles, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Lunak Heavy Industries slash Los Alamos, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Space Bear Industries, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Star Wars The Last Jedi, okay. Uh, Red Cup, Solo, <laughs> Star Wars Story. Red Cup, I get it. Uh, Red Solo Cup, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Trixie slash Black Diamond slash Carbonado Industries, Star Wars Episode 9. PLT Productions Limited slash jo- Joshua Tree, Kenobi, A Star Wars Story, rumored. Tin Can slash Stenum 50 Labs. Pets, a Star Wars story, rumored. Uh, 
I, I, my, my thought about the rumors uh, things as a, as a side note, um, if it if they weren't true, then Lucasfilm would have immediately come out and say that no, this is not a thing, just like they did with uh, with the Lando movie. So can keep that in mind if you will. Okay, back to the thing. Um, note: the last two sets of code names tied to Kenobi and Fett are based on reports from Omega Underground. Uh, while the Hollywood Reporter has stated that both of those films are in development in their coverage. Uh, neither have been formally announced by Lucasfilm. Only the first four movies have had their codenames officially confirmed by Lu- Lucasfilm or their affiliates. Uh, also, J.J. Abrams picked the codename Trixie so he could fit the Roman numeral IX into a production title. Like Evco, which is the, is the theater where he saw the original Star Wars. Oh, interesting. It likely isn't a hint at anything that happens in the movie itself. Still, that never stopped anyone from speculating, so take it away. Uh-uh. Do, do we think that Trix or Trixie has anything to do with, uh, with Episode 9? Is it a hint? I don't, even, I don't even know why this is really news, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a code name. They're going to pick something totally random. I think uh, Red Cop had a lot to do with Solo. Well, that I think that was like they wanted. Uh, I think that was they didn't want to miss on a really golden opportunity. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think the Black Diamond was referring to Snoke's ring, and they they wanted to change it now because well, Snoke's dead. Wait, maybe. what? Snoke's ring. Snoke's dead. Snoke's ring. Yeah, Snoke. Snoke had a ring that yeah, was made by uh, that had a big that black stone. Uh, from Mustafar's castle, from the st- castle of Darth Vader. How the fuck do you know that? Uh, the visual. It's the visual guide from. Uh... Oh. <laughs> hey TJ, can you send me so the some, visual some guide from the last Jedi? to me online? <laughs> Let, let's get that <laughs> clear. <laughs> so, for the first time since Colin Trevorrow has been kicked off the Episode Nine project, uh, he is speaking out. Dubackdiscussion.net reports Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow was announced as the director for the concluding chapter of Star Wars Saga, Episode 9 in 2015. However, in September of 2017, he left the project. And a Lucasfilm statement claimed that all parties had mutually chosen to part ways in the conversation with Empire. Trevorrow finally opened up about his exit from the space fantasy franchise. Among other topics, he discussed having shared his storyline outline for episode nine with George Lucas and Mark Hamill. He also described the experience as something he would cherish. When we were kids, these movies came to us from far away. They were a gift and they were more. We talk about them and how they were made and the more it reveals that they're just movies, but they're not just movies. They're more than that. Beyond that, I got the opportunity to tell a story that is a celebration of everything I believe in. I got to tell it to George Lucas and I got to tell it to Luke Skywalker. And those are my experiences I will cherish for the rest of my life. As of now, J.J. Abrams is at the helm for Episode 9, as he is working on a new script with co-writer Chris Terrio, as well as directing the film itself on a scheduled release of December 2019 premiere. For his part, Trevorrow has confirmed that he is writing a screenplay for Jurassic World 3 with Emily Carmichael, which he will also direct. Article by Mohammed Grandmaster Z. Thank you, thank you. Shout out to my boy for writing another solid article. Anyway, uh, 
fuck Colin Trevorrow. Fuck Jurassic World. Just kidding. But I'm kind of happy JJ's back at the helm playing it safe this time. And if we've learned anything, playing it safe gets us a little bit further than hiring Ryan Johnson to make a crazy-ass movie and pissing off Joel. So... Exactly. But Colin Trevorrow would have played it incredibly safe. I mean, Luke would kick ass in his movie. Snoke would play a significant role. It would just be fucking awesome. And then so you'd still find something I, I to complain about. I feel him getting fired is just not a prime example in Kathleen Kennedy's failure and in a head of Lucasfilm. So I think Muhammad should take this next article mainly because he's uh, he's all about this stuff. Yeah. Kelly Marie Tran deletes social media following fan harassment. Wait, where'd you get the article from? Dobackdiscussion.net. Wow, is that your source for everything Star Wars? Yes, it is. Oh my god. Everybody got to go to dobackdiscussion.net in order to to find everything about Star Wars. Continue, Mo. The Star Wars The Last Jedi star, Kelly Tran, who portrays the new Resistance hero Rose Tico, has deleted all of her social media due to fans harassing her for the character she plays in the new Star Wars saga. After the new film by Ryan Johnson was released, Kelly has been a victim to a lot of ridicule, bullying, and racism revolving around her characterization of Rose Tico. Many vocal fans are determined to mock Kelly for her looks, talent, ethnicity, and pretty much anything they can use against her while trolling her Instagram and Twitter accounts. The beautiful actress one vibrant, once vibrant and expressive social media accounts that used to share her love and excitement for being part of the Star Wars franchise are now barren, with only a depressing picture of Tran and a single quote in her biography stating, Afraid, but doing it anyway. Before the start of filming The Last Jedi, Kelly Tran was tasked with playing the first female character of color to have a lead role in the film series. She did not take the task lightly, stating, I am so proud that I get to be this person who was representing something for people that may have not that for people that may have not seen themselves in a movie like this before. I would love for us to be having a different conversation because I would love for so many Asian Americans to be in every film franchise that is just normal. We're still working towards that, so I'm exciting and I'm excited to be a part of that change. Unfortunately, her positive attitude towards accepting the role and taking on the challenge of hero of the challenge of change has only led her to the unforgiving and harsh mouths of nasty, rude social media trollers. On behalf of all of us at the Dubak Discussion Network, we'd like to say, may the force be with you, Rose. Don't let the wrong kind of Star Wars fans affect your work with episode nine. Article by Tim, Gold Leader, Keegan. We missed you, buddy. So, uh, we actually have in our show notes, Kelly Marie Tran harassed by people like Joel. And the reason for that is is because Joel does the same thing to Ryan Johnson as he does to Kelly Tran. Bullshit, you asshole. Do I, have, I don't. Do I have to I read call, I called him out for being a hypocrite. That's totally different from harassing someone <laughs> over a race or gender. <laughs> You're worse than ours. Why do you not see that? <laughs> <laughs> you just start so much shit. You called out Jason Ward, too. <laughs> I didn't even know who hit the boss. But yeah, if he's a hypocrite, then I'm going to call him out. Oh. Joel, the hypocrite police. Hell yeah. Come and do a you tweeted at Mark Hamill, you fucking psychopath. What? <laughs> you tweeted at Mark Hamill. What did I tweet to him again? You talked about how Ryan Johnson ruined his character. That was in that was a response to somebody else who asked about uh, what is a real fan and what and what is not. Mark Hamill was tagged in it. Well, yeah, because he was responding to Mark Hamill. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh God. I think I think the. And I mean, by I the way, like, Mark Hamill like probably it. agrees with that. So. I mean, I don't like Rose. Joel doesn't like Rose. TJ doesn't like Rose. I think we can all, we can all agree the character herself um, was kind of. Eh. But I don't think yeah. any of us like Duback would condone the kind of harassment and abuse she'd been receiving. No, not at all. No, absolutely not. So, and I, I feel like, come on, we have seen this already with Jake Lloyd, with Hayden Christensen. It's fucking repulsive, man. Like, Jake Lloyd is in a fucking mental hospital now because of this. It's like, why do people job. not realize what they, what they... Are you an angel? What they do. Like, nobody should attack the actors for the performance when it's really Ryan Johnson that fucking uh, ruined the character. Or George Lucas with... Uh, episode two but <clears throat> you're right at the end of the day the responsibility for good acting falls on the director it's up to him to pick the final scenes well, she actually him. acted fine I, I thought she she was a really good actress in yeah, she the, did the best job she could but yeah she, she didn't write the script okay let's talk let's talk about something a little bit more positive like us, and not Kelly and Marie Tran going oh. down the 14 reasons why to kill herself okay uh Hasbro reveals new vintage collection Dr. Afra comic set exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con and Hasbro Toy Shop following Comic-Con. The vintage collection Dr. Afra comic set was the winner of last year's vintage collection fan choice poll. This set will be available at Hasbro booth hashtag 3329 at San Diego Comic-Con in July. Read on for more details. Okay. The set features a 3.75-inch scale Dr. Afra Triple Zero and BT, BT, which have a retail price of $49.99. You can only get it at that, that, that specific booth. Celebrate the legacy of Star Wars with premium high-detail 3.75-inch scale figures and vehicles from the Vintage Collection. Imagine the adventures of the Star Wars comic universe with those three and, a, three and three quarters scale Dr. Afra Triple Zero and BT-1. Features the... Pr- Figures to feature premium deco across multiple points of articulation and a design inspired by the Dr. Afro comics, including three figures and three accessories, each sold separately. The Star Wars Vintage Collect and Dr. Afro comics set will be sale on San Diego Comic Con 2018. Limited quantities of this item will be available at a select conventions and the select online retailers after conventions and in a relevant market, including Star Hasbro Toyshop.com are available. Good while supplies last. These figures look excellent. I love the fucking, I know, I'm like fucking rap god right there. Uh, Star Wars special action figure set Afra. I liked it. I I really like how it looks like an R four droid with fucking missiles and shit on it. Yeah, I, I wanted to say the astromech droid. The astromech droid looks pretty dope. And I like how there's like a like a matte black, the matte black paint on him. Afra looks pretty good too. You look pretty good, baby. Thank they you. look really cool, but who the fuck are they? Uh they're part of a comic book. <laughs> Doctor Afra is like. Uh, how would you describe her character? Like, uh, I can fix it. Like a Bob the Builder character. <laughs> well, they should have brought her in the last Jedi then. Oh my god, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, Battlefront 2 DLCC Season 2 Part 2 was released. Well, what we know of. and Supposedly it, it's released. Yes. Uh, from what we know of is we have young Han, young Lando, young Chewie, the new Falcon from Solo, and Coaxium Minds of Kessel. Well, quote unquote, young Chewie. Yes, it 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 you you fucking mess up his hair a little bit, and you put another bandolier, and boom, hundred and ninety year old Chewie. Uh 
we were playing this morning. We didn't see anything different about the game. There was nothing added yet, but we're eagerly awaiting that update. Uh, Joel doesn't fucking care because all he plays is Starfighter Salt. He'll probably mm-hmm. just care about that fucking new Falcon. So it doesn't matter. But anyway, thank you for joining us for episode 16 of the Do Back Discussion podcast. Thank you for joining me, Joel and Muhammad. It's been a fucking pleasure and a half. I feel like I haven't yeah. swore as much in this episode, but. It was a hoot. It was a hoot. It was a hoot. Hoot, hoot. Hopefully, somebody likes this podcast. <laughs> but with that being said I want to say this is your host TJ Bowser signing off oh wait 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 promotion I was about to say you go to dobackdiscussion.net check out our articles check out our YouTube videos at dobackdiscussion we got unboxing videos live streams yada 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 make sure to check out our fan film reviews and And week daily uh, updated articles by our following writers, Joel, Tim, and Mohammed Grandmaster Abu Guzala. Uh, catch me on the YouTubes. Catch me everywhere. Catch me in the club. It's going down. Anywhere you meet me, it's going down. Uh, thank you for yeah, listening. That's, he's going down, man. He's going down. You can find Joel... <laughs> Uh, in a white van in the Netherlands. You can find Mohammed at activism rallies. You know how it is. Uh, but thank you guys for sharing this hour of wonderful goodness with us. And as always, may the force be with you. And that's TJ always. signing off. Grandmaster Ziyad, may the force be with you. Peacing out. And Jiggle out. Bye! Bye-bye!